Hi, this is Jay Bear from Convince and Convert, and welcome to the Content Bros Podcast, where you'll hear the strategies and secrets of the best content marketers in the world. The show is brought to you by Oracle Marketing Cloud, helping businesses use the latest marketing technologies to tell their stories and connect with their customers. The show is brought to you by Uberflip, a content experience platform that allows marketers to create manage and optimize tailored content experiences for every stage of the buyer journey. And the show is brought to you by Convince and Convert, content marketing strategy advisors and counselors to leading brands and organizations worldwide. Convince and Convert makes your content better. The hosts of the show are Jeff Cohen and Randy Frisch. Find all links, archives, and more at contentprospodcast.com. And now, here's Jeff, Randy, and this week's special guest. Welcome to another episode of Content Pros. Content Pros is the podcast that brings you all you need to know from the best content marketers out there. As always, I've got Jeff Cohen from Oracle Marketing Cloud by my side. I'm Randy Frisch from Uberflip. And today we're, we're going to have a fun little chat. I think it's going to be a chat around these ideas that as marketers we always hear about, but we really have no idea what they mean. And the, the latest term that I think qualifies under that is AI, artificial intelligence. And you know, I, I don't know if our executive producer will actually run with this as the headline, but I feel like it could be like, what the F is AI when it comes <laughs> to content, right? Um, and, uh, you know, we're going to dig in on that. To do that today, we've got Paul Ratzer who's going to join us from PR 2020. Jeff, you want to tell us a little bit more about Paul and, and bring him into the show? That sounds great. Thanks so much, Randy. Happy to be here again on another episode of Content Pros, part of the Convince and Convert podcast network. So what Paul runs uh, the agency PR 2020, but he had a very simple challenge that many of us as marketers had. He saw AI way out on the horizon and he wanted to learn about it. And like all great content marketers, he said, well, wouldn't it be nice if, as I'm learning about it, I share what I'm learning? So, Paul, we're going to hear that story today. Welcome to Content Pros. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Looking forward to the conversation. So, so let's just dive right in. You created something called the Marketing Artificial Intelligence Institute. Tell, tell me a little bit about that, that origin story and what you hope to do with that site where we would definitely will have a link in the show notes, but feel free to share the URL as well. Yeah, so uh, it's marketingaiinstitute.com. And the, the basic backstory is in, uh, it actually goes back to 2011. Many of us are familiar with IBM Watson winning on Jeopardy. And uh, like a lot of marketers and entrepreneurs, I'm watching that and my mind immediately starts thinking, what are the implications to marketing? And so at that time, it was just like, wow, if that technology can answer these kinds of questions, what happens if we apply that to, say, marketing strategy? Um, so it really just started with this what if question for me. And then in 2012, we started trying to actually build what I was calling a marketing intelligence engine that would take historical performance data, um, take in a bunch of analytics information, take in goals, and it would output uh, what you should do next. It would recommend actions and campaigns based on probabilities of success. Problem was, I'm not a developer. So we were kind of blindly trying to build software to do this very complicated thing. And at the time, I actually had no idea what AI really was or how it worked. 
So fast forward to, to last year, uh, 2016, and we were still playing around with the software, but really decided that what we were more uniquely capable of doing was telling the story. And as we started seeing all this talk about terms we'll, we'll get into, like machine learning and deep learning and cognitive computing and image recognition, and saw AI being talked about everywhere, we still weren't seeing it really being talked about in a focused way for marketers being, well, what is it and what do we do with it? And I actually didn't really know the answers. And so I was out giving talks on AI, but at the same time, not really fully comprehending what it was and what to do with it. So that was last summer. We just said, well, let's start telling the story and let's see if we can't connect the dots through the lens of the people who are actually building these tools. Well, that, that's great because as, as marketers, we often find ourselves getting up in front of people just talking about stuff that we don't really know about. I, I, I like to joke that if I know nothing about a subject, I can talk for it talk for about 30 minutes about it. But if I really know about it, I need about four hours. So I, I definitely understand where you're coming from there. Uh, but let, let's actually take a step back and let's, let's kind of leverage some of the things that you've learned and, and talk about some of the definitions sure. of uh, certainly starting with AI, but some of the, the basic terms that marketers need to know about in this space. Yeah, I think it's, it, it is good to start with the overall definition because it is confusing. And, and if you ask uh, 10 AI experts, you're actually going to get 10 different definitions of what all this stuff is. So the most simplistic way to think about it is artificial intelligence is the umbrella of technologies and processes designed to make machines smarter. So Demis Hassabis, who created DeepMind, which Google then bought and now drives the AI within Google, that was his definition is it's AI makes machines smarter. Um, the basic premise of it is actually to enhance humans' knowledge and capabilities. It's not necessarily de designed to replace. So AI is this big umbrella. Underneath that are things like machine learning, which is where a machine actually writes its own algorithms. It determines paths uh, forward without humans telling it what to do. So traditional programming, a human writes a set of instructions or an algorithm in machine learning, the machine writes its own. Sometimes it's given a goal to achieve. Other times it's given a little bit more instruction up front. But when we heard about AlphaGo, you know, Google winning at um, the game of Go, and um, even if you think about like what Tesla does with auto, uh, autonomous vehicles, all of these things, they're, the machine is learning. There's no human sitting there telling it what to do next. Um, so that's machine learning would kind of be that next level. And then underneath that, you have deep learning is one you hear a lot about today. And that's actually trying to teach machines to think like humans through neural networks. It's actually, you know, if a, if a machine looks at a dog and a cat, inherently it has absolutely no idea what either of those things are. And as a human, you're processing like, okay, it has legs, it has fur, it has a tail, it has ears, it has all these things. That's how a human figures out what it is. It thinks in these layers. A machine doesn't, it's not built that way. So it, you're, you're teaching machines how to do this. So deep learning is kind of this further down, very deep, advanced way of trying to get a machine to get in, intelligent almost to a human level. So those are the, I'll kind of stop with those three, but AI is the big umbrella, machine learning next level down, deep learning below that. And then there's all kinds of branches that are part of those elements. Today's episode of Content Pros is brought to you by Uberflip and their weekly podcast called Flip the Switch, where they bring some of the brightest marketing minds together 
to provide useful insights, actionable takeaways, and a fresh approach to the content marketing challenges you face daily. Head over to bit.ly slash flip content to discover the tips and tactics that will help you flip the switch from ordinary to remarkable. So now let's make some of that relevant for marketing and even more specifically content marketing. How do do those ideas fit into this space? Yeah, so a really good example um, is if, if someone were to download an ebook right now on your website and you have automation set up, whatever automation product you're using, you've likely set up rules. You've basically built an algorithm that says if someone downloads this, send them or put them in this workflow, which will send them you know, three automated emails. That's simple enough. But now imagine if you have 10,000 ebook downloads from five different personas originating from five different channels, social, organic, paid, whatever it may be, the, the ability for a human to personalize the email chains and the communications that would happen from that is almost impossible. And even if the human can think of how to do all that, there's really no software available that makes it simple to visualize everything that's happening within um, that campaign. That's where AI excels. Whenever there's a ton of data that needs to be processed and you need to personalize at this extremely granular level, that's what AI can do. Think of you know, your, your shopping experience on Amazon as an example. It knows everything you've looked at, everything you've bought, everything you put in your shopping cart, and it presents products and information to you based on all of those things. And it's also predicting what you're likely to buy next. So play that out into how we do content. And when I come to a website and my experience is completely personalized based on past behavior and what it predicts I will do in the future, the human can't really do that. So most of the automation we have today is, is ironically a very manual process. AI will, uh, in, in the not too distant future, completely automate that in a very intelligent way. So, so this is super helpful. I think having just this framework to understand it, as you said, is where we have to start because it's it's a buzzword, and and yeah. a lot of the times you go around to people and you ask them to define a buzzword, which, you know, not too long ago people or still today people even struggle with what's content marketing, right? Yep. Let alone what's AI. Uh, but I think it really helps to have that that structure of you know machine learning and deep learning. Um, you know, I think people are still probably sitting there and trying to figure out, okay, so is this Westworld or, <laughs> yeah, you know, or is this like my Amazon Echo? Like right. where, where's, where's that fine line? Yep. Uh, but maybe, you know, taking the, dis, you know, the discussion more around where can we involve this around content marketing, maybe you can help us talk about some of the areas where you're expecting us to see AI injected into pieces of software that we're sure. using because for us to go develop AI is, is very hard. And I'd love to maybe get there at some point in terms of yeah. your thinking of how do we bring that in house, but what can we expect from maybe some of the leaders out there, you know, companies like Oracle where Jeff works, companies like, you know, Uberflip where I work. I mean, what, what are the things that you're expecting from companies? Yeah. So I'll, I'll, I'll approach that in a couple of ways. First, I'll talk about what I think is the entry point for most organizations, most, most content marketers, uh, uh, application of AI that is doable right now. Uh, and then I'll talk a little bit about that, the second piece of what's going to happen with Oracles and Uberflips and these other companies. 
So the, the, the surface level of AI for content marketers, what's called natural language generation. So what that means is a machine actually producing narrative. So this was actually the inflection point for me to build the AI Institute. Um, in 2015 at South by Southwest, I attended a panel discussion with the CEO of a company called Automated Insights and the managing editor of the Associated Press. They told the story of how the Associated Press went from writing 300 earnings reports a quarter, 100% by humans, to 3,000 a quarter, 100% written by machines. And what happened in that instance is they took a data set, in this case they extracted from Zach's investment research, and they take that data and they teach the machine how to write a data-driven story. Now, you would not be able to tell the difference between a human-written and a machine-written earnings report today. Um, they do the same thing with fantasy sports updates, minor league baseball stories. So this natural language generation, meaning taking data and producing what appears to be natural language, it sounds just like a human would write it, that technology, can you can subscribe to a license for that software and you can teach a machine to write anything. So that, that is based on data. So we've been using it for over a year and a half to do Google Analytics reports. We used to spend five to probably eight hours a month doing analysis of what was happening on a client site with Google Analytics. Uh, a template was created to figure all that information out once. So there's a single template with all the different variables. And now it's as simple as hitting a button and in seconds we can generate an eight page narrative of everything that happened on a client site in the previous 30 days. So that's a very practical example of natural language generation. Um, we're also using it to take client financial reports and turn those into narratives. So you write the template once and then you can tell it at scale. And we're also looking at ways to do data-driven blog posts, ebooks, and white papers where you have the same story to tell, but the data just keeps changing. And so you train the machine once and then it does its thing. So that that is, I always talk to people, content marketers, about where do you start with AI. You start with the data you have, what stories are you already telling with it that you could tell more efficiently, and what stories aren't you telling because the data just sits in spreadsheets and charts and no one ever really puts any narrative to it. That's It's the most logical place to start for people. So I'll stop there and then we can get to the second phase if you guys have any kind of follow-up thoughts or questions on that piece. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I mean, just to tell me, tell me if I'm off, you know, in terms of my understanding of this, but is the, is the idea of this, if you've ever used that app on like a mobile device, if this, then that, do you know that one where, mm -hmm. you know, you set up a whole bunch of rules. Is that what you're describing for people to do to yes. kind of, you know, look for the items that we know may lead to success and then, you know, create rules that govern that on an ongoing basis? Yeah, I mean, if this, then that kind of statements are basically the what automation is built on. I mean, that's what a, a human is coding when you're setting up these instructions within an automation system. And so in a content stance like this, where you're using natural language generation, it's, it's the same thing you're doing. You're saying if revenue was up greater than 20%, say revenue skyrocketed in Q1. So you teach it all the language you want it to have, and then it spits it out. Now, to make this very tangible for people, the next step to that is what you see with Surrey and Alexa, except the language is coming back verbally. 
So Siri and Alexa, when you ask them a question, there is no human back there answering it and then spitting it out to you. The machine itself is understanding what you're asking, what's called natural language processing. It's taking your words in, understanding what you're asking, and then it's generating a response using natural language. So that these technologies are everywhere around us right now with our mobile devices and even with, you can do Google search that way. Anytime you're, you're reading into uh, a machine and it's translating back a language, that's using AI technology to do it. So it's, it's the same kind of stuff now being applied to the marketing world. Gotcha. That makes sense. And, you know, not to get too into the weeds of the definitions that we started with, but you had said something that, that resonated with me earlier on. You talked about how this isn't about automating everything. It's about enhancing, you know, human knowledge and not replacing the human element. Right. So, you know, I, I, I like that idea. And I think, you know, as marketers too often, you know, especially content marketers or demand gen marketers who often listen to this, you know, there was an early wave of concern when marketing automation systems came in and all the bosses were like, okay, so do we need you if we can automate this? It's not, it's not truly, you know, flip a switch and you're off to the races. It's being able to inject the, the points and, and adjust that over time. Yeah, right. As of, as of right now, the way AI exists today, it requires massive human intervention and engagement to, to deliver on its promise. There's really no such thing as an out-of-the-box AI system. There are some AI-powered companies that are making massive leaps forward in this, where you can have a very quick onboarding process and you can trial and error very fast. But generally speaking, there's a lot of human intervention that goes into getting the data set up correctly, getting the right data into the system, and then teaching the, the AI what it needs to do. It's you know supervised learning, basically, where you're, you're teaching it how to do what you're asking it to do. Hey, Zoe. Hey, Kelly. Do you know what I love? Benedict Cumberbatch? Yeah, him, but also Netflix and how it always shows me what I'll love, a.k.a. all the murder mysteries. Ooh, or documentaries about puppies. I wish there was a way to do that with B2B content. Well, hold on to your pants. So, you know, Uberflip, it lets you create a better content journey for your readers. So, I can let my readers binge my content while my sales team also sends it out to prospects? You sure can. Amazing. How do I get it? Just head over to uberflip.com and request a demo. So before we get to the second part yeah. of Randy's question, let's, let's just dig in like one more level here, because I, sure. I think this is a, a conversation that, Paul, you and I had in the past. When you think of this uh, natural language generation, uh, the place a lot of people are going to go is, well, what about creativity? Doesn't all this stuff sound the same? And, and I'd, I'd love an explanation of kind of the the idea of all the work that actually goes into creating the template and the options and actually developing something so that the so that the AI can pull from enough variety to add some of that creativity. Yeah, it's definitely a, an area to to think about. Um I'll give you a few examples of in some cases, the creativity honestly doesn't matter that much. And, and okay. the reason I say that is e-commerce listings, for example. Let's say you have an e-commerce site, and as a marketer, your job is to write 10,000 product descriptions for 10,000 SKUs. Historically, you hired a freelancer to write 10,000 product descriptions. You can teach AI to do the same task in probably under a week 
and then it can automatically generate all 10,000 of them. Now, the average buyer coming to the e-commerce site could care less if the descriptions sound similar. They're just looking for specs, and they're looking for basic features and benefits. So that's an example where the creativity, you know, you can drive massive efficiency without the creativity really being an issue. Now, obviously, as content marketers, we think about much larger, more creative endeavors than product descriptions. And in that instance, certainly, you could run into repetitiveness. Um, You can teach the the system synonyms. You can teach it branching logic. You can teach it ways to make it appear different. But that's where the next level will come in, where you start layering in machine learning. So right now with natural language generation, let's say I'm going to write an earnings report. I have to teach it any variation it's going to have. Once you put machine learning in, the machine itself can actually start processing how people read through that page, how engaged is a reader, which words do they hang on. Like It can get much, much more intelligent, and it can then actually start adjusting the information, what it puts out, without the human having to write it. It can start adding an element of creativity. That's actually already happening in some some niche uses like email subject lines, landing page text, um, ads, Facebook ads, things like that, where the machine is auto-populating based on past performance. Um, so that that's going to happen. And then the, the bigger one, though, is that more qualitative storytelling, um, like to, to, to tell a non-data-driven story. That's much, much harder but it's not out of the realm of possibility and it's actually already happening. So we've seen songs recently that have been written by AI. I think Sony's planning on publishing an AI only album this year, all, all music created by AI. Um, Apple partnered with a movie studio to create a trailer for an AI movie. And what it did was it ingested a hundred horror films. Um, IBM Watson did. It found the scariest moments of all those films It was then fed the new film and it found the scariest moments of that new film and it automatically cut up a trailer based on the scariest moments of the new film and spliced them together. And then a human edited it. So there's examples where we're actually starting to creep into the creative element, which is traditionally human only, where the machine is able to start doing it. But that from a mass adoption, we're talking about probably five to 10 years before that would actually start coming in and affecting creativity. Right. It it actually sounds like the idea where creativity is an issue, as opposed to data, you still need some sort of some sort of baseline of content, if you will, to to determine what what good looks like or what successful looks like. Yeah. And to me, it, when I really started understanding how natural language generation works, I thought you just subscribe to the license uploaded your data set and there would be your narrative because that's how the Google Analytics product we had worked. But there was a template behind it someone had written. So when I started uploading our original data sets out of like our marketing score tool, which does assessments, um, I had a blank screen. And I was like, well, wait a second, what, what in the world is this? this? This isn't magical. And that's when I realized like, wow, this is a whole nother area of content marketing that hasn't even been explored yet is content marketers who are a little bit more probably tech savvy, more familiar with how automation works that can actually teach the machine how to tell a narrative at scale. But the human has to figure out what that narrative is. And then it has to create and maintain the template of that narrative. So I looked and said, well, how many content marketers in the world can do that? Like it's a mashup of data science and writing. 
And I don't know very many of them. So I looked at that as, wow, there's this huge market opportunity for content marketers who understand how this stuff works. And over the next you know, three to five years, especially um, before the machines start figuring out how to write it on its own, um, there's this kind of niche within content marketing to, to apply AI to telling data-driven stories at, stories at scale. Super interesting idea. Very, very, very intriguing. And it will be great to watch how that goes. So now if we get back to the other part of the, the question, from a, from a company standpoint, there are a lot of companies investing a lot of money into AI, uh, acquiring companies, developing their own in-house expertise, et cetera. What, what does that start looking like and, and what part of that should marketers pay attention to? Yeah, the, 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 one of the starting points I advise when I give the talks on this is your first call should be to your core MarTech stack uh, companies. So the ones you're already using, specifically your CRM and your automation, call them and ask, how are you guys using AI machine learning? Like, what else are, is there we can do? Like, is there personalization capabilities we're not using? Is there um, better targeting capabilities? Is there content creation capabilities? Those things in the not too distant future, all the major um, marketing platforms have to have machine learning AI deeply embedded in the software or the software is going to become irrelevant. Like it's, it's going to be so inefficient to use a system that doesn't have AI baked into it when you can move to one that does that, that it's going to transform a bit how the industry is, is structured. So the way I always explain it is like, Right now, AI is this unique thing that most of the innovation is happening in one-off startups. Like they're getting some VC funding and they're building a very purpose-built thing like creating content headlines or figuring out what um, topics to write about based on all these crazy algorithms. They're they're purpose-built to do one thing really, really well, almost in a superhuman way. There is no AI platform. There is no, like, let me just move this all over to an AI platform that does all this amazing stuff for me. It doesn't exist. Um, but in the not-too-distant future, they're all going to have to have it. And, and the challenge is these companies are selling for astronomical valuations because there's only so many people out there that can build this stuff. There's only so many machine learning engineers that actually know how to do this stuff really well and have a proven ability to do it. So you're getting a lot of these startups, you know, build up to do one specific task and then they get acquired. So there's going to be a lot of acquisitions in the space. And it's a talent war because Google, Facebook, Amazon, Apple, IBM, they're all battling to build massive AI capabilities. And so they're buying up any talent worth having is is getting sucked up by these massive organizations. Yeah, it's really interesting, Paul. I mean, you know, a couple personal anecdotes here. Um, a lot of people know me as you know, host of uh, co-host of Content Pros. But you know, when I'm not doing Content Pros, again, I'm I'm running Uberflip. Uh, we recently, you know, went through that same internal debate here. Actually, about four or five months ago, we got close to acquiring a company, small company, but early stage that had a bit of an AI play, um, and eventually realized, you know, we can't just plug it in. We got to really think about the right way to do it. 
road and we actually decided to go the route of starting you know at a very more basic approach we hired our first data scientist right just to start to understand that data play understand what all this data means and you know it's it's actually living as a side project right now so we haven't necessarily built it into the roadmap in a, in a specific manner but there's a lot of internal debates that we end up having around you know should we should we build this in or should we build more open endpoints for other solutions that can work with our software in our yes yeah. no it's, it's smart and that's the one thing we've learned by talking to the AI powered companies that are building these things is they all basically say the same thing. You start small and you just iterate. Like you can't go in and say, okay, over the next 12 months, we're going to build our AI solution. It's like, you've got good developers. There's plenty of online classes. They can go learn machine learning. And there's a lot of open architecture now, like Facebook opened up their image recognition AI and Google opened up TensorFlow. And like all these big companies are opening up their AI. And so you can actually build stuff like recommendations and engines. There's already frameworks to go do that. You just take somebody who's already a developer, wants to learn some stuff, send them through a six-week course on Coursera, and they come out knowing how to do some machine learning, and then they go find some open source stuff they can you know, build the first trial balloon with. Yeah, it's very exciting space. It's also it's it's tempting in so many ways. I I, I make a, a few personal handful of personal uh, angel investments on the side, and yeah. I've got a couple of options in front of me right now that are essentially AI plays, but it's a question of are they standalone companies? Now, yeah. Will they last? Um, or what will the return be from these companies and what can we come to expect? So definitely exciting stuff. Before we get to our lightning round, maybe you can just tell us a little bit about uh, you know the, the microsite that you've built out around Marketing AI Institute and, and what the goal is of that. Yeah, I mean, it, it did start as we, you know, we as we began the conversation, it was really just an exploration for us. We got to this point where, honestly, I, I was like, well, maybe I'll just write the book on this. And I knew the beginning. I knew kind of starting in the 1950s and the government's efforts with AI and the reasons we went through these AI winters where it stopped for a while, where we are today, and I, I think where we're going. I had no idea how to tell the middle part of, like, well, what's actually possible today and what can a marketer do about it? And so that's when we said, well, let's just stop and go do some homework. And so it's like every Thursday we do a spotlight where we feature a company using AI to build their product, and we ask the same eight questions. And what we're trying to do is understand through, the, through their viewpoint what is actually possible, what are the obstacles to it, what can marketers do to learn more, what are the actual use cases, who are you doing this for, like give us case studies. And so that's where we're at now with the Institute is it's really just a publishing platform where we're trying to figure out this story and we're just sharing what we learn along the way. And it may become more like we're, you know, we're looking at events and things like that. But for, as of the recording of this, I will tell you, like, it's basically we publish twice a week to it and it's meant for marketers who want to understand the transformative power of AI for their, for their marketing and for their careers. Very cool. So what I did leading up to this last segment is I plugged in all these various data streams and yeah, I've been given an AI output of questions to ask you about <laughs> the personal side. So all my responses yeah. have been generated. Yeah, by we'll, we'll see how, we'll see how good this thing is. Yeah. This, you know, fake, fake little app I have on the side now. All right. So, so first of all, I was able to dig up that you're a Cleveland guy. It, it is amazing 
how much content lives outside of, you know, or comes from Cleveland. I mean, we've, we've got the Constant Mar- Marketing Institute there. We've got so many other agencies that I've learned about of late who, who have bases out of Cleveland. So first question, have you missed a content marketing world yet? I have not. I was actually there for the origin of it, the first committee meeting of how to host it in Cleveland and what to do. There was about, Joe Plitzy pulled about 15 of us into a room and we sat around and hashed out you know, a vision for what it could be and Joe shared what he was looking to do with it and um, you know, we were lucky enough for all of us to kind of come along for the ride with Joe. So no, I've been there from the beginning. Amazing. So, so everyone's key insight right now is if you want to dig more into AI, you got to go to CMW again this fall. All right. The other thing, debatable what team you're cheering for in Cleveland is whether you want to go to Cleveland to cheer for a sports team. So, you know, we're just coming off Super Bowl. Probably, probably not a yeah, you know, not not a big Browns following these days. But what what's the team that you follow as a local fan? I'm actually, I mean, I've always been a biggest Browns fan, but unfortunately for the last 20 years, draft day is the greatest day of the season for the Browns, and then it's downhill (laughs) from there. Um, So we we are actually, our office is in Gateway District, so we look out into Progressive Field, the Indian Stadium, and we're almost attached to the the Quicken Loans Arena. So I'm a, a massive, passionate fan for all three teams, but we do have season tickets for the Indians and the Cavs, so... Um, they've been a better ride of late than the Browns. <laughs> uh, well, you and I should have a rivalry. Myself being from Toronto and the Raptors trying to take down the Cavs. Oh gosh, Jays yeah. trying to take down the Indians. I mean, you guys, you guys have the edge on us. So, <laughs> well, I'll let that one go. You seem like a good guy. Otherwise, so all right. Uh, so we talked a lot about AI today. What is your favorite AI TV show or movie? Oh, in the last 10 years. There's so, been a lot on Netflix lately, I feel. Yeah, I'll preface this that everything you see on those shows is not possible today. So this whole idea of super intelligent beings from the Terminator onto Ex Machina, not possible. <laughs> so that's that's general intelligence. We don't know that it's ever going to be achieved, but it, it'll be probably at least a decade, potentially a century before anything like that happens. That being said, I love Ex Machina. I thought it was one of the most realistic looks at what can happen once we do achieve super intelligence, which is the general industry term for it. Awesome. All right. And then the last thing, just so people get to know you, I, I like to do this every t- once in a while with our guests is look up their first tweet ever, right? Oh, so <laughs> I looked up your first tweet ever. Um, it came on October the 15th, 2008, you know, only about two years after Twitter was created. So, uh, and the tweet was getting started on Twitter. It's time. So the, the question that I've got from that is more, would you classify yourself as an early adopter or a late adopter? Because like this AI stops very early adoption. Yeah. But that tweet kind of says, you know, all right, I'm going to buy in. Yeah, I'm mostly early unless it's Snapchat. I just and I feel like Twitter was kind of my Snapchat back in the day. Um, I resisted for probably six months in our office. There was one lady in particular kept pushing me like, well, you got to get on Twitter. You got to get on Twitter. And that was right around the time of the first inbound marketing summit. That would have been fall of 08. So we were just kind of moving big into the automation space and social media. And so I, I joined at the insistence of a couple people in my office. Um, so when it comes to social media, I would say I'm kind of late majority. I, I don't jump into Google Plus and Snapchat. And as these things are kind of cropping up, I usually wait until I think they're actually going to stick around before I do anything. 
Fair enough. Well, well, I'd say you've definitely redeemed yourself with this whole <laughs> AI focus. You know, clearly a leader in that space. If people want to learn more about Paul Ratzer, I, I encourage you to check out a couple things. One is PR2020.com, which is your day job. Um, also, check out MarketingAIInstitute.com. Lots of great content there. Great way to stay ahead of what's coming. Uh, this has been a, a great episode uh, having you here, Paul. If people are enjoying listening to this, I encourage you to check out all the other podcasts that are run not just by us which you can find at contentprospodcast.com but also the other sister uh, podcasts that we have through Convince and Convert again as, as Jeff pointed out uh, this is part of the Convince and Convert family of podcasts. There's a lot of great content being created by our team and peers. Uh, in the meantime, thank you so much for joining. On behalf of Jeff Cohen at Oracle Marketing Cloud, I'm Randy Frisch at Uberflip, and we encourage you to leave us feedback on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts. Please let us know what we can do to keep making this a great experience. This is Jay Bear, and thanks for listening to Content Pros. Please leave a review and subscribe on iTunes or on your favorite podcast listening app. Go to contentprospodcast.com for a complete show archive and greatest hits. Content Pros is sponsored by Convince and Convert, Oracle Marketing Cloud, and by Uberflip. It's produced by my team and I at Convince and Convert Media. Interested in being a guest or a sponsor on the show? Visit us at convinceandconvert.com. 